I'm Amy Pruitt. I'm Lisa Dumas. I teach Ayurveda and yoga. I teach yoga. I'm a yoga therapist in training, and I offer transformational coaching. But that's just part of the story. We're moms, daughters, wives, and friends. We're always learning, and we've both experienced healing by what we teach. And the intention of this podcast is to offer you our favorite tools from the traditions and sciences that support us as we navigate the realities and stressors of modern life. Each week, we'll share stories, answer your questions, and talk to others who inspire us. Welcome to the Radiant Warrior Podcast. Yoga and Ayurveda to reclaim a courageous heart. Hi, Amy. Hi, Lisa. I'm excited to continue the conversation that we had to end last week because we realized it was going to take us much longer than an hour to talk about our our energetic system of the body. Each chakra, I could spend a whole episode on at least. It's very interesting stuff. If you're just joining us on this episode, this is part two of a series that we began last week. Um, even though it may seem theoretical to some, it's a part of yoga and Ayurveda and really traditional Chinese medicine to consider an aspect of ourselves that might be unseen, like so much of ourselves. And this is the energetic system of the body. And Amy and I are going over each of the seven main energy centers of the body. And we described what that means in the last episode. And we're talking about them as to how we relate to them and how each of these centers are related to different aspects of our psychology, different aspects of our physical bodies and different human rights. So in a perfect world, we would feel balanced at each of these centers. And if we did, then we would be fully integrated in one of these rights of these energy centers. But typically, most of us have a bit of work to do. And it's very helpful to use the chakra system as a healing resource. You'll know what we're talking about if you give last week's a listen or a re-listen and then continue with this one. We ended off at energy center number four, the heart, anahata, heart center. And we definitely discussed that at length, but I wanted to offer just a few more little pieces of insight in this area before we move on to the throat, energy center number five. Because Amy, I'm really in this place, in my own personal work right now. It's not a funny thing to say that cultivating an open heart is a therapeutic practice because so many of us, and I'm speaking about my household, we can get caught in head down, work, work, get it all done, the business of life, our marriages, our friendships, our relationships between parents and kids. A lot of the conversation can be centered around the business of life and what has to be done. And when we find ourselves stuck in those harder places, cultivating the qualities of the heart is therapeutic. The qualities of the heart like forgiveness and empathy and kindness and compassion. We've talked a lot on this show in general about how everybody contains all qualities, right? We we have jealousy, we have kindness, we have love, we also have anger, we also have hate. 
And it is possible to cultivate qualities that are more positive, qualities that create more softness and more grounding and more positive sensations in the body. So there are some therapeutic tools from the realms of yoga and Ayurveda that I'm turning to right now because I do feel like a lot of the conversations in my house have that harshness and that defensiveness that that just comes with having a teenager in the house sometimes just because it's incredibly developmentally appropriate for her to be um, setting maybe even like super rigid boundaries and for her not to want us to be involved. So that's like, that's fine. I, I'm not taking that personally at all, but it can feel a little harsh around here, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in my own personal practice, I might even just inwardly speak to myself may my heart open, may my heart open to her. May I remember what it feels like to be 17 and to not want parental guidance. (laughs) Mm -hmm. May, you know, may I remember um, times when I felt very compassionate towards her. And so I am actively cultivating the qualities of this energy center and actively using some of the affirmations that are connected to it. I I'm worthy of love. I am loving to myself and others. I know there's an infinite supply of love. I live in balance with others. And affirmations, sometimes, sure, it's just, it can feel like a positive thought that you're not believing with your whole body, but sometimes it can be a reminder of what you already know, but we're not used to thinking in this way because we're used to thinking that is about striving and taking care of business. We're not maybe used to thinking about how may I serve? How may I create more love in our life? How may I create more love in my life? How can I create a more loving thought than this one? So I'm just right there right now. So I just wanted to tie that one up a bit. And not to take everything that she says maybe too hard. You know, if if you're having conversations or she is setting those rigid boundaries or she or if anyone, you know, lashes out that maybe not to, maybe to also know when it's appropriate to protect your heart, that it's not something that you need to take too hard. No, and you're right. And I, and that is the practice in this house. And if it's difficult to be loving in real time, if there's not a welcome opportunity to be expressive of love, there's other ways that I can love her and love myself. There's ways that I can do that within my meditations. There's ways that I can do that personally. And I do think that creates a shift because if I get caught in my inner teenager and if I am taking things to heart, which we're human, we will do from time to time, then I observe myself thinking all those defensive thoughts, right? Well, how dare she speak to me like this? Blah, 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 blah. So it's important for me to hack into that and because I, I I cannot control her, but I can control what I'm thinking. And as soon as I don't succumb to that kind of thinking, as soon as I override that because I do decide to choose to cultivate a quality of the heart, it seems to change everything, you know, or at the very least, I feel better and nothing is sapping my energy and I'm still in my own um, compassion for myself. And I'm still in my own energy and my energy isn't drained for the other things that I'm creating in my life. 
you're doing it. You're doing it. You're in it right now. You know, I, I see like my daughters, they're in it right now with the babies, babies everywhere and little kids everywhere. And that's just a time where you're just in it and you, it's hard to take a step back and think and observe. And then with teenagers, it's the same thing. You're in it right now. And having an active practice around the heart is such a gift, not just to you, but to her, you know, especially mothers and daughters, you know, can have very loving, nurturing relationships where they can have very adversarial relationships. And so these practices that you're doing right now are just such a gift to her and to you to get through these years because they are tough, tough years. Even in the best cases, they are tough years. Mm -hmm. And I do try to change the thinking around that too and, and almost be honored that I'm the one that she can be anyway. You know, she can be anything and she knows that I'm still going to love her. I read something that in these years, it can be related to, you know, when you're on an amusement park ride, like a roller coaster, and you sit down in the seat and you check first that that safety bar is locked and you, mm-hmm. you press up against it as hard as you possibly can just to make sure that it's stable and it's not going anywhere. Well, yeah. this article was saying that's, that's what our teenagers are doing to us. We're the safety bar and they are just pressing and pushing and making sure that we're still going to be there for them. And I, I remember that a lot. Yes. Well, my mama heart goes out to your mama heart right now because you're in it. I know it does. And I think it's so helpful when moms can be really honest with one another about what comes up for us um, through our kids, because it isn't our kids. It doesn't mean that our kids are bad or wrong or, or, or um, terrible people. Not at all. This is what it brings up in ourselves. No. This is what it brings up in us. And that's why parenting can be like yoga, you know, parenting in itself can be a spiritual practice. You certainly don't have to have kids to to be triggered and to learn so much about yourself. But um, for those of us who do, it is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for major growth, as are these energy centers. So take us into fifth chakra, Amy. So your fifth chakra is located at the throat. It's related to the color bright blue. And if you think of bright blue, like a bright blue sky or the bright blue ocean, there's a clarity to that. And this is related to the clarity in our thoughts, in our minds, in our truth, how we express ourselves clearly or with clear intention. If we are deficient in this, we can think of not being able to speak our truth, to minimizing our wants, minimizing our needs. We um, could be shy and we might not hear what others are telling us as well. We could be maybe tone deaf if somebody's expressing themselves or expressing their needs. It could fall on us and we might not hear it. Or if you have an excess at this energy center, you could talk a lot. You could have a problem with silence. You want to fill up all the spaces with words you are always thinking about what you're going to say next instead of listening to what somebody else might be saying to you. 
you could be very dominating, or you could participate in gossip. I'm sure many can relate about being around somebody like that when they talk a lot and they're, they want to know the latest dirt on somebody and they want to tear people down and they talk, 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 or you could be having a conversation with them and you don't feel like they're hearing what you're saying and how that feels energetically for you. I know for me, when I'm around people like that, I feel like they suck the energy right out of me when I'm in those conversations. And so this is related all to the throat chakra, the shuddha. We have imbalances or excesses in each of these energy centers based on our history, based on what we learned growing up. And we can feel imbalanced here if we grew up in a family or a situation where we saw one thing, but then we were told another. So if we had parents or guardians who told us to act in a certain way, but then we were witnessing the opposite. So it's almost as if we were growing up, getting used to lies and also learning how to not trust ourselves. And so as we grow up, it's harder for us to recognize truth. We could also learn that our voice isn't important. Kids are to be seen and not heard. Now that's a familiar refrain that's been passed along down the generations. And so I think a lot of us have something there when it comes to their voice. I can relate to having worked with an excess here in the fact that in my 20s and in my early 30s, I felt so nervous on the inside that I think I would overcompensate. And I've always been led into careers where I've been using my voice. When I was on the radio, what you said was very important. And there was also this innate fear of having there be, be too much spaces. We called it dead air. And you, that's something that you were taught not to have and to keep it interesting and keep it compelling, which sort of always, which added to my worry about what I was saying. So there, there were definitely issues with this with me. And now that I continue to use my voice, so you and I both teach yoga, that's uh, a long period of time where we're using our voice and also using our voice as a healing tool. And I think as I've practiced and brought some awareness to this energy center, I look forward to times of silence. And you and I have spent time together and there's times when I'll be staying with you or you'll be staying with me. And we are just happy to be quiet and to be doing our own thing. I really appreciate that about spending time with you. I have that also um, with my husband. Sometimes we listen to music when we're in the car, but sometimes when we're driving, we're both just sitting with our thoughts. And then, you know, one of us will bring up something that we were talking about and we'll chat for a while, but we're happy to be quiet. And I really appreciate that now. Whereas in my past, being alone without talking to someone felt really scary. So I, I, do, love, I do love that evolution. It feels very healing for me to have times of space and quiet. I didn't grow up using my voice and I didn't have a career where I used my voice. So it took me a long time to feel comfortable speaking outside of one-on-one, if I had to speak in front of the class or speak in a group 
I, my face would get bright red and my voice would shake and my hands would shake. And that has been a long time learning for me to use my voice, to speak my needs, to speak with authority that my voice matters or my needs matter. I could definitely hide and feel much more comfortable staying small and everything's fine and I'm good as long as I didn't have to talk to anybody and or present. I could do all the work on a class project as long as I didn't have to present it in front of the class. I had that real deep fear of speaking on so many levels. For I mean, I can feel it in my body right now, It that nervous, almost terror of having to get up and speak or to have a difficult conversation mm-hmm. at all was foreboding, just not something that I was going to do, no matter the cost, really. I wasn't going to speak my needs and, and sit in that discomfort. So I can definitely identify with the deficiency in this, in this energy center. And I love that also it ties into physical manifestations. If you have excess or deficiencies in this energy center, how it shows up in the body, you might have disorders of that area of your body, disorders of your throat, your ears, your neck, your jaw. Whenever I would go get a massage, that's all I wanted the massage you know, therapist to work on was my neck. <laughs> my neck was just concrete. And I really relate it to long periods of time of not using my voice. Yeah. And the dentist has sent me home with a mouth guard a, a few years ago because I I guess I clench my jaw while I sleep. Yeah. And listening to you too, and we mentioned this in the last episode, we can certainly have excesses and deficiencies at the same time or at different times in our life. The anxiety that I experienced for all those years became disordered within my radio career. When I first stepped into that, I was still feeling really audacious and confident, but I had my first panic attack as a broadcaster, but then I had panic attacks on the air, not while I was actually speaking. Sometimes I would feel them build and then they would happen during the music and everything changed. So while I went into that career feeling very confident and then I could take on the world and I drove away from our house on my own at 18 years old to go start my first radio career at this small Saskatchewan radio station, things did change. And that's what happens for those of us who have struggled with this specific challenge. Because once we've had a panic attack, our whole life becomes about having another one and where is it going to be and who's going to be around? Like it's just the most terrifying thing. And so everything did change around this energy center. I probably have some more seeking and contemplating and reflecting to do in this area because as part of a radio career, I used to have to go up on stage and introduce bands, um, artists that were in town. I used to have to interview artists, sometimes talk in front of groups. And it was terrifying for me because it was all about self-consciousness. And what if I was going to have an episode of panic right here on this stage? It was ugh, just looking back to that and feeling so compelled to teach yoga because it was so incredibly healing for me 
has been healing because it's almost been like exposure therapy. I feel just that much more compelled to share these practices than I feel afraid to share. (laughs) And even though in the first few years of teaching, I felt more nervous than I do now, that's just because I kept doing it. Right. I did it anyway. And I did prove to myself that we can have some nervousness in our body and still do what we want to do and still follow through and and still claim our dreams. So that's something that I know in my body. Nervousness isn't going to kill me. And I needed to learn that. So the right of this energy center is I have a right to speak and I have a right to be heard. And Amy and I just invite you to think about that. If you were to inwardly say to you, I have a right to speak my truth. I have a right to be heard. What comes up for you? Do you fully believe that? And if not, it's just, it's something to contemplate, right? We're living an examined life here. And some of the healing practices around this energy center do revolve around actually loosening up neck and shoulders. So stretching out areas of tightness, Yoga and Ayurveda totally subscribe to the theory that when you move your body, you're also creating shifts in different aspects of you. When you feel more flexible in the body, you can feel more flexible in the mind. You can allow emotions to flow. And then working with your voice. Have you noticed that you feel better if you put on some music and you sing along? I I see that. I witnessed that with my daughter. She could be having a tense day. She could come into the house and I could feel, you know, her maybe worried energy or darker energy, but she loves to sing. And so she innately just will put on music and she'll start to sing so loud in her room and she'll come out and she'll just be so bright and so renewed. And, you know, that's something that I've never had to, to teach her or show her. She just does that. I love to witness the change in her. And, you know, you and I in classes sometimes will introduce chanting and it's such a great way to get beyond the mind. Um, So those are a couple of practices. And practicing silence as well. Like you had said, you know, how you and your husband will ride in the car in silence. Having that intentional periods of silence for me has been times where I've had some of the greatest shifts in my life going on silent retreats, having days of silence, that very quickly shifts so much and brings so much clarity when you block out not just the chatter of speaking to people or listening to people, but also all the other sounds that we're exposed to as far as the TV or the radio or interactions or social media. Having intentional times of silence for me, I've had some of the most healing days by having those experiences. Mm -hmm. And this is a tough one to remember because a lot of communication, as you mentioned, we tend to be thinking about what we might say next. And I don't think we need to be hard on ourselves for that. You know, that's, it's pretty natural to want to say the quote unquote right thing, but putting Mm -hmm. your speech through those gateways of speech, we've, mentioned that here before and help me out if I don't remember them all. But anytime we want to contribute to a conversation, is our contribution true? First of all, is it kind? Mm -hmm. Is it necessary? Mm -hmm. And yeah, does it improve upon the silence? And how often could you 
actually say that your your speech passes through all of those gates authentically. It might be true, but is it kind? Or it might be kind, but is it true? And then is it necessary? Maybe, maybe not. And then the hardest could be, does it improve upon the silence? Because I think many of us have a problem with just sitting in silence. Like you said, that dead air space. We want to fill that up. We want to just not have that sit there and be uncomfortable. And even if, and even thinking that it is uncomfortable is just dependent on the lens that we view our entire lives through. In a moment of silence, do you immediately go to, oh no, I have nothing to say. Does that mean that this relationship is boring or are they going to think I'm boring or will they not want to spend more time with me dependent on the kind of thoughts that come up and what you're making that silence mean that can help to educate ourselves on how we might be seeing the whole world. I love the affirmations that are connected to healing of this energy center. And again, an affirmation will only work is if you feel that there's a part of you that can really resonate with it. And I do happen to have all of these Mm -hmm. sentences circled in this book. And Amy and I are referring to Anadea Judith's Eastern Body, Western Mind. This is a textbook that we've used in many of our trainings. And I often go back to it when working with clients. But I've highlighted these positive sentences here. I hear and speak the truth. It's such a, such a good reminder. I express myself with clear intent. I think of that a lot when I'm planning my classes, when I'm teaching my classes. Creativity flows in and through me because this energy center is also connected to how we express ourselves creatively. Like, Are we making space for creativity in our lives? And then maybe most important for those of us who were made to feel or who were told that our voice was not appropriate in that moment or our voice was not necessary or important. My voice is necessary. That may be one of the harder ones for me, one that I need to work on quite a bit as far as voicing my needs or speaking my truth, speaking authentically, I can very quickly quiet down or step back or remove myself from situations or conversations because that's my that's my comfort zone is to sit back or observe as opposed to participate and speak and recognizing that I do have some things to say that might be necessary. I do have some things to say that might help somebody. That's not something that is natural for me. Does that make sense? And I think you put yourself in the way of healing this energy center by way of making your dream come true. You've become a business owner and you likely have to Mm -hmm. use your voice in many different ways and in many different meetings. I had before we sat down to record this today, I had a very interesting meeting with um, the landlords of our building and we cohabitate in this building with the Freemasons, you know, which is a very old society of men and 
has a very historical significance and in part of the building is all of their stuff and they want us to expand into that part of the building, but yet just work around all the Freemason stuff, which as you can imagine in a yoga studio is a little awkward and probably unsafe. (laughs) And, and so I felt very strongly about stating what I needed as a business owner. And if they wanted me to take on this space, if they were interested in collecting more rent from us, then these were the needs that we were going to have. And it didn't include cohabitating with a bunch of stuff that wasn't ours. And this meeting went on forever, but just being very firm in our convictions of protecting our beautiful space that we already have and the community that we have and, and stepping into that role that I am the voice of this studio. I am the person in charge and this is what we need. And this is what our standards are. And so it was a very interesting meeting for me and to, to feel that strength and that courage because I am so passionate about this community and I love them so much and not to minimize it by trying to work around, you know, a bunch of mm-hmm. junk. Do you feel stronger in your voice and in your truth after speaking it, even though that doesn't maybe come naturally to you or that's been a place of growth or feeling weaker in, in your past? Oh, for sure. Because I spoke very authentically and with conviction on what our needs were. And mm-hmm. I didn't die mm-hmm. by, you know, having a conversation that was at times a little adversarial and mm-hmm. I still didn't die. And I didn't cry and I didn't get angry and I didn't raise my voice. And, you know, I think as women, we fear being perceived as mm-hmm. angry or loud or hysterical or any of those things that when we use our voice in a firm way or a loud way or an impolite way, maybe somebody might perceive us as being impolite, that that's less mm-hmm. than desirable. And none of those things happen today, but, but not bowing down to another's, you know, demands or needs, but saying what we need, being firm in our convictions that doesn't make us unfeminine or less, you know, womanly or less attractive. But I think as women that may have come up as we were growing up, that women are nice and polite and kind and they don't raise their voice and they, they don't argue. And if they do, then all those other things might come into play. You might be unattractive. You might be crazy. You might be angry hysterical, you know, any of those things when we use our voice. Every term that you use there and in this culture, it's this unconscious but sort of widely accepted or understood shadow of a woman. And the fact that we even consider being afraid to be seen that certain way just because we're speaking our truth, which we have just as much a right to do as anybody else. So yeah, you're talking about shadow qualities. And I also love that I'm hearing that you're basically cultivating an aspect of you that is less familiar 
to strengthen that aspect of you. Mm-hmm. We listen to, we're guided by our patterns and what we're used to and what we learned when we were growing up and what we internalized. And if that means being shyer and not speaking up and we continue not to speak up and we continue to call ourselves shy and to um, really define ourselves in that way, then it's hard to make a new choice. But I heard you say, you know, there was a reason that I needed my voice. And we can cultivate that more mature part of ourselves that says, wait, your voice is worthy. Your voice is necessary here. And maybe even doing a disservice to the world if you keep quiet, because then nobody will get to learn from you. And these are thoughts that are new for many of us. They are they have nothing to do with the habitual thoughts that have been running our lives so far. But if we find that we're in a place that isn't working for us, in a place where um, maybe we don't have a lot of strong connections because we're not communicating effectively, or we've gotten a lot of feedback that we are quiet, that, that people don't really know us, if we often feel resentful because we didn't speak up for what we thought was right, then maybe it's time for some new thoughts. Because we can think anything, you know, mm-hmm. in any moment we can have any kind of thought. And that's why it's so important to know what we're thinking. And we talk about that here all the time. It's in all of our workshops too. At some point when you're on a path of growth, on a path of spiritual development, you've got to figure out what is creating my life here? Well, my thoughts are. And so what do I think about myself? What do I think about using my voice? And why am I too afraid to speak up? The awareness is key, finding out the why. And then what would I like it to be like? And and then we just practice coming up with those new thoughts. And that's why I like to read off the um, affirmations that are related to these energy centers because they're a new thought. There's something new we can think if the old ones weren't working for us. And you thought my voice is necessary in this situation. You had the meeting, you spoke your truth, and now you don't have to second guess, you know, oh, I should have said that. Um, you've made it known and I'm sure there'll be a positive outcome. But even if there isn't, at least you spoke up. Oh yeah. And I already feel like there is a positive outcome. I felt like we left the meeting, you know, with mutual respect and clear intentions and, you know, goals that benefited all of us. I didn't feel like I had been made to feel lesser, but I did feel like I needed to speak very clearly on what our standards were and what we would and would not be willing to do. And I felt like I was heard it had a positive outcome Mm -hmm. for all of us. You know, I think if you are wondering if you go to your next social gathering, what to talk about, you could just talk about the chakras and then unending topics would make (laughs) themselves known. Um, But we should move on Mm -hmm. to sixth energy center. We're moving up the energy centers that are thought to move along the length of the spine and coming up from the throat. We move into an area of the body that I guess sounds pretty typically yogic, right? The third eye. Um, Mm -hmm. This is the energy center Mm -hmm. that resides at sort of the the middle of the head, um, behind the forehead, between the eyebrows. It's called Ajna. It's about how we perceive things. So this is related not just to our physical sight, but 
and how clearly we see things around us. So actually, if there's a deficiency or excess, there can be challenges with our eyes and and how we actually physically see, but also how we're seeing clearly in other ways, how we are perceiving the world around us. This goes with what are we making things mean? So a situation can happen and 10 people can be involved and each person will see that situation in their own way. We all, all have our own realities based on the color or the shade of our sunglasses that we're wearing, right? And there's a lot of practices within these paths that help us to lift the sunglasses up and see more clearly and see the truth. So it's not just about outwardly seeing, but what we also see when we look within. Um, This is about your intuition. This is about Vijnamaya Kosha. We talk about the koshas, the layers of a human being, how yoga sees a human being. And yoga sees the mind as having a portion that's more your lower mind. So the stories you tell about yourself, how you define yourself, um, the stories you tell about your place in life, if you identify yourself by your thoughts, by your emotions, you know, we all do this. But this is more the higher mind. This is when the veil of unclear thinking is lifted and we become available to broader perspectives. We're less judgmental here. We are able to imagine a different future. We are able to form new, more helpful thinking. We have appropriate imaginations. You know, we're not using our imaginations to escape our real life, but we're using them to create something even better. What comes up for me, Amy, when I think about this energy center here is if anything, I felt like I was excessive. And a lot of us can be living in our mind. You know, a lot of us can have more connection to these upper energy centers and not feel balanced in the lower, which is why we always start at the bottom when we're talking about healing them. But because I spent so many years not grounded and not connected to my body and and quite nervous and lived in my mind and believed so many of my thoughts, I, I had no clue that we were more than our thoughts, that we didn't have to believe our thoughts. I've said here before, and I think a lot of us find ourselves in these situations, we're not even sure what we're thinking, but we sure feel sort of nervous and insecure and wonder what people are thinking about us a lot. And if we were to pay attention, our thoughts are constantly questioning. And that's natural for our mind to do, scan our situation, scan our environment to make sure that we're safe. That's that's a survival instinct. That's our wiring. But it doesn't serve us all the time. It doesn't make us feel good to succumb to the negative bias all the time and always be filtering every single thing that happens in, oh, well, that's bad and that's good. That's a bad feeling. Don't want to do that. And this is good. This is better. And so we're just, you know, completely averse to anything uncomfortable and completely addicted to only feeling good. And so, you know, we we check out of real life and maybe we succumb to just living in our imaginations. And I did that for a while. When things would get too hard in a relationship, I would just decide to build like 
a life in my imagination filled with different people. And I was different there and I was in a different place. And that was a coping mechanism for me for a while when I when I was really in the depths of of living with anxiety. For me, what comes up is the clarity that you can tap into. I I see things clearly. I I can struggle with that sometimes, not knowing what's if my perception is correct, whether it's in relationships or in surroundings. So I see things clearly for what they are, or maybe, you know, having that question, am I doing the right thing? Am I remembering things correctly? Do I feel exceptionally perceptive? And then I also can struggle with this chakra around creativity. I don't know if the things that I do are beautiful or how, how what I'm doing is perceived. Take writing on a website or creating advertising for the studio. I'm always having somebody else look at it. Like, do you like that? Does that look okay? Like, I have no idea. Like, you know, like I know what I like, but then I don't know if what I'm creating is Mm. likable. Am I seeing clearly and are people seeing me clearly? Was your intuition validated when you were growing up? Is one of the ways that we can have some imbalances in this energy center is if we were told, you know, if we had a feeling or or a thought about something and if we might have expressed it, we were told, no, 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 everything's okay. It's okay. It's okay. But we had a deeper knowing, but Mm -hmm. then we learned that that was wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. In issues around safety or security or, oh, you know, that's a nice, that's a nice teacher or be nice to your teacher because that's a good person. Or if you knew that somebody, whether it was a person of authority or an adult when you were not an adult, when you were a child or adolescent, looking back, I can see that there were some real monsters around us growing up, but being told, no, so-and-so is a good person. They're, you know, high standing business person or whereas a child, you knew there was something off about somebody. I see parents do this. I'm sure I did it too, where you're like, oh, you know, give this person a hug. Maybe that child just innately doesn't want to hug that person. And it could be a good friend too, but there's still a reason. And I think that Teaching our kids to honor their own intuition is so important, but I think it's really easy for us as adults to get in our own way because we are all so conditioned to care about what other people think. And sometimes honoring your own intuition and the intuition of your children means that you you are going to feel uncomfortable and others around you are going to feel uncomfortable because listening to your intuition means that you might have to remove yourself from a place and other people may judge. You know, we can't control that. I love the idea of fostering our own intuition and practicing. And there are different meditations that we can do where we practice listening to our own inner voice. So even if there's been a challenge there and you've learned not to trust yourself, this is a muscle that you can build. You can build resilience there. I love that. The basic human right that is connected to this energy center is... I have a right to see 
And then you and I have added on when we teach this, I have a right to see and I have a right to be seen. And when I think about Mm -hmm. that, (laughs) that's a place where I have had to do some personal healing in the form of mirror work, looking at myself with acceptance and then moving towards looking at myself with love. And I know now as a 47-year-old woman that there was always love for me. When I was the quote-unquote difficult teenager in my home, there were instances where I was not looked at. And what I internalized was that I was not worth looking at, that that person couldn't bear to look at me. And that could have been true, or it might not be. But I did internalize that I couldn't be seen. And I have to say that Mm -hmm. one of the qualities in my shadow, I don't think I've talked about this much because it feels so icky to even say it. (laughs) But one of the qualities in my shadow is disgusting. Like I think I felt Mm. that they were disgusted to look. Mm. You're not disgusting. Yeah, I yeah, that's there. So that's been some of my work in this mm. particular energy center that I have a right to be seen. And that doesn't mean that I can expect anybody in my life to see me the way I would like them to. We have a whole episode on that. That's in our shadow episode. But it's my responsibility to see myself. As mm-hmm. is all of it, isn't it? So also for healing here, you know, if you hear that right, I have a right to see, I have a right to be seen. And you're like, yeah, I don't know if I believe that fully. Um, meditation is a healing practice, is is you know, color therapy. There's color therapy as a part of Ayurveda. When we teach anxiety reduction, which we view it like vata balancing, balancing the dosha that is air and ether and it's erratic. Amy, you and I wear colors that is very soothing for that dosha, including like a light blue. What are some others that are really soothing for anxiousness? Is And more of the earthy tones, the grounding um, browns, dark oranges. Mm -hmm. um, Those can be very Mm -hmm. soothing as well. So using the eyes in that way to bring in beauty, to bring in certain colors therapeutically. Mm -hmm. And dream work as well. When we think about this energy center and we think about our imagination, we also think about dream recall. Um, For a long time, I didn't remember my dreams. And then as soon as I made an intention to remember them, I started. And I do write down what I dream. And I do, I don't have a lot of experience in dream work, but I know enough to know that it's all about symbols And if you have a dream that you can really remember to write down all of the symbols that were in that dream, you know, was there, was there water, was there ocean, lake, a boat? And then what does that mean to you? What kind of meaning does that symbol have in your life? And then it's fun to, to look up the meanings from a Jungian perspective, because Carl Jung was really about being guided by one's dreams. I think he saw it. And I think that Jungian analysts and psychotherapists see dreams as a part of us integrating our experiences and maybe even our soul communicating with us. I think all of that's very interesting. So sometimes it's fun to look up the meaning of dreams 
And when I have, I have gotten some interesting guidance. Yeah, I agree. I've had some very powerful dreams that I can remember to this day that occurred years ago that when I woke up, I could remember every detail and I felt like I had healed some part of my soul Mm. through that dream, some old wound or resentment or relationship just by the dream that I had, like I felt transported somewhere else and healed in some way, whether it was my heart that needed healed or my mind or a past transgression. But yeah, I've had some extremely vivid dreams that have stuck with me. We should get a Jungian analyst here and share a couple of our standout dreams with them. Um, Affirmations that are related here. I see all things in clarity. I am open to the wisdom within. I can manifest my vision. Just some new thoughts that we can try on if the old ones aren't working. On to the seventh energy center that resides at the top of the head or maybe even above the top of the head. Svarishtana which translates as thousandfold. And if you think of these energy centers as flowers, maybe as the lotus flower, this is the thousandfold lotus at the top of the head or even above the head. And it relates to transcendence or a higher power or the divine. It's related to the element of thought. And it can be an energy center that might be the most subtle or hardest to tap into. I know for me, it was kind of this esoteric thing for a long time, your crown chakra, you're touching into the crown or, or touching into the divine. And if you are new to spirituality or a spiritual practice that could be something that feels a little far off. We might be deficient in this energy center, which is related to our connection to something higher than ourselves. We're really attached to Mm -hmm. things. And when we say that this Mm -hmm. energy center is related to our connection to something greater than us, that doesn't have to be God or divine. And I, This has been a real challenge for me because of my history, and I'll share that. Um, So sometimes it's easier to think about, well, maybe the emotion of love as being something higher or the flow of life or nature um, or the yogic belief that the divine resides in each of us, that there is a divine part of us. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a God up in the sky, although if your belief is God, um, that is very therapeutic for many people to have to have religious beliefs, to have faith in something more than right here, right now, to have faith in something that is more than us. Mm-hmm. And in my family, there is religious trauma that goes back in the family lines that's been passed on. And when we're deficient mm-hmm. here, we can have a lot of cynicism around anything that is spiritual. And I can really relate with that. That's why I am endlessly surprised about how I changed everything in order to devote my life to the yogic path because I had nothing like this in my life before. 
I was attracted to circles that were very cynical around anything that mentioned a higher power. But the interesting thing was, is that many of the boyfriends that I had were came from religious backgrounds. And I remember one mom you know, taking an interest in me and wanting me to come to church with the family and and calling me to to discuss this because it was just it was just very foreign to me, but it did faith attempted to make its way into my life many different times. But it was just so it was just something that I never had growing up. Um, my parents did instill the fact that they were marathon runners and they just loved to be out in nature. And then they did stay say to us that their church was nature. And so I can really relate with that. And that has been true for me. We have a view uh, out of our bedroom window where I do my morning practices and we can see a forest of beautiful trees. And I do use them intentionally in my practice because they are symbols of the divine. They are, they are symbols of the beauty of nature and the flow of life. That has worked for me. But this is something I've had to develop, uh, a relationship with something bigger than me. And now it's something that I count on, especially in my role as a mom. Because if we're deficient here, we're really attached to things, um, you know, think about shopping therapy, right? If you're not feeling very good, we'll go out and buy something new, Um if we're spending a lot of our brain power on things we need to get, um, new things, and we all have the experience of coveting something and wanting it, and then once we get it, you know, maybe it loses its luster because it's never really the thing that we were wanting. We're all wanting to fill up this hole within. And for many of us, we do that when we release some of our attachments and we realize what's truly important. Um, that happened to us also when we experienced a big fire season when we were living in California and we had one episode where we were evacuated from our home and it was get out now, look around and take just only what is necessary. And this is a house that we had coveted. This was in, you know, this was in California. We talked about that crash a few episodes, the economic crash there and the real estate crash there. Mm -hmm. And this is when all the, everyone around us was into buying up real estate and, and having the McMansions and having the bigger houses. And then if you have a bigger house, you got to get stuff to fill up that house. And you're, you're just preoccupied with going shopping and attaining Yet in that moment, when I thought we were going to lose it all, and I looked around, I took my daughter, I took my dog. That was it. Yeah. I couldn't think of well, one thing that, that I wanted to take out of that house with me. And that was also a real wake-up call. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we think we have to have all the things. And then in reality, do we have to have any of it? Just the people? I mean, I probably needed to have more appropriate clothes. I think I was... I was so, I was so, you know, in fight or flight. I was just racing around grabbing items of clothing. And then when we get to the hotel and I'm unpacking, it's, you know, 80 degrees, 90 degrees outside. And I've got warm sweaters and sweats. <laughs> so we do need some things oh, really for survival, but. Yeah. Yeah. I, as I'm, as I imagine most people could relate to, I mean, we, 
we might not have grown up with a spiritual background, or like you said, we could have religious trauma, or we are finding our own spiritual paths that aren't the same as our family of origin. So I think most people could identify that this is this is one that we could all use some study with. I love the affirmations mm-hmm. for this one. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I also have them circled. Yeah, so divinity yeah. resides within. Divinity resides within. We think we have to believe in a God or something outside of ourselves, but the idea that the divine is already in us. I am open to new ideas. If I'm super caught up in my own worries and the things that I need to strike off the to-do list, I'm ignoring those subtle signs and signals from the world around me. But when I'm in the flow and I'm present and I'm open and I'm tapped into creativity, I feel like I'm receiving constant downloads of the next step. And you know, we all ask for that. We all ask for messages. And in our times of struggle, we ask for help. And and sometimes we get answers and we don't really want to listen. But But I believe that there is so much wisdom that we can tap into through these practices, through meditation. This is a great one for practicing meditation with, because if we can learn to quiet down the tendencies and the habits and the wants and all the things that we are really attached to and open up to a little bit of space, you know, that's when we're giving space for a truer voice to make itself be known, which leads Mm -hmm. right into the next affirmation there. The world is my teacher. I find that with travel, you know, being open, open to new experiences, open to new people or cultures or ideas. I am guided by a higher power, which then flows into the last one, which is I am guided by inner wisdom. I like that thought that promotes a lot of trust it is hard to have it at sometimes. It's hard to say, I'm I'm just going to trust, it, especially when life hands us suffering that it will for all of us. That's a challenging one. But it's nice to read those. It's nice to remember those as we're talking about it. And the basic human right that's connected to this energy yeah. center is I have a right to know and to learn. I think that there's so much humility when it comes to thinking about the crown chakra, that we can't possibly know it all. There's always so much more to learn and to see. There's always another perspective to open up to. And how do we feel about that? You know, how do we feel about our own beliefs? How attached to them are we? Are we open to the beliefs of others? Um, How are we thinking about others? When we're in traffic, Is it easy for us to dehumanize someone if they make a mistake in traffic? Or can we remember our basic connection to Mm -hmm. them? Yeah. Is our way the only way? Yeah. We started at the ground and where we're thinking about cultivating stability. And that stability that we cultivate when we do this energy center work helps us to feel stable as we do emotional processing so that we don't feel like the watery element of emotions will take us under. And then once we've done that processing and we move up to the third energy center, we use 
what we've learned by processing our emotions and integrating our life experiences to help us manifest in our lives, to help us create in our lives. We use those lessons. We digest our life, letting go of what doesn't serve us and using what we learned to help us grow into the next great version of ourselves. And then that helps us to open up our hearts. And then we move into these upper realms that we've been discussing throughout this episode. We learn to speak our truth and we we learn to see things clearly and see the truth in situations, see the truth in ourselves. And then that opens us up to seeing the world clearly and letting go of everything that we've learned and what we think to be true and opening up to new perspectives and new possibility and the present moment, like opening up to the fullness of right now, right now, right here. I've loved talking about all of this. I have too. I, this is something that I could, I could spend so much time talking about and I highly recommend, and I think you do too, on a day of Judith's book, Eastern Body, Western Mind. It's something that we both refer to again and again. And it's a book that I pick up frequently just to look something up or just to see what it opens up to. It's a holistic way of looking at ourselves and our place in the world. It also informs a, a lot of what we teach. And again, a reminder, there might be a bit more space left in our live event coming up in Columbus, Ohio at my dear podcast co-hosts, Amy's beautiful studio, Radiant Yoga and Wellness. So head to the website um, in the show notes to sign up and we hope to see you there. We'd just love to give you a big hug and meet you in person. And if you can't work with us in person, if, if you don't live near Ohio, Um, you'll have a chance to work with us in other ways and you'll be hearing more about that soon. I look forward to speaking to you next. All right. Love you, Lisa. Love you. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Warrior podcast. If you found it valuable, please leave us a positive review to help others find it. And please check out the Radiant Warrior podcast on Instagram and Facebook to leave us your questions and find out where you can come and practice with us next.